I'm going to look down at this card and read the results. I will use my mouth to make sounds. Your ears will process these sounds as words, and the meanings of these words will make you clear to you who has been eliminated. On American Idol. Kimberly, you are live from New York. We'll be right back. Try to make it. You like it, the juice? Mm, you like it, the juice? The the illicit band, never to be seen again, juice? Uh, wait, what is that a reference to? Oh, just so Adrian, Adrian Brody, Brody. <laughs> who will never be seen on SNL again. <coughs> oh, that cough was brought to you by me not editing these podcasts anymore. Yeah, we should point out that uh, yeah, George is no longer going to be editing these. Uh, he's just going to be sort of putting them on there. So now we're going to talk about all the stuff that we usually cut out. Uh, like, I was that guy in the Camp Auschwitz t-shirt at the ride. I don't care <laughs> what FBI agent knows it. Oh, man. Yeah. Also, this is our first uh, podcast uh, in uh, the in the new era of America. And oh, my God, man. I, I, I said this earlier, but... I am going to feel so shitty if, like, the reason for my recent depression was just because of this fucking racist game show host that we elected president. Uh, like, I'll feel relieved, but, like, also, like, why did I let it get me so, like, fucking amped up and shit? But, like, yesterday, whew, I just felt, like, so clean and, like, anew. See, I don't know, the way I coped with it for the last four years, and, and really with the conservative movement for the last many years, I've just succumbed to nihilism. So, like, I have, like, just an even keel of, like, I don't care about anything anymore. <laughs> so I don't have that catharsis now. I don't know. I was getting so, like, I was just getting, like, amped up. Like, I was looking up, like, how to join Antifa, and then I re- <laughs> realized that there's you don't join it. It's not, like, an organization. What are you talking about? We're always going after the leader of Antifa, who is whoever Republicans hate that week. I know. I felt like so stupid when I learned that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, they got me, too, because I didn't know. I thought there was like an evil like uh, or like a a cult of like angry liberals who were just going to destroy shit and fuck shit up. And I was like, where do I join and sign up? Oh, it doesn't exist. Oh, fuck you, man. I know. You got my hopes up. The thing they made up. The thing they made up to make liberals look bad, you actively want to join it. I know, I was like, fuck yeah, man. I'll sign me up, man. Put me on the newsletter. I'll be at the next fucking whatever it is, man. I'm I'm ready to fucking start a riot over this shit, man. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, we're all just peaceful people. Just telling other people to be, like, fucking civil. Please, just be fucking civil. And I feel like, oh, man, I can, like, actually look at my neighbors again and not, like, judge them without knowing them. Oh, I just, I, I haven't listened to the last episode yet. I'm just curious how much of that is devoted to the fucking existential crisis you went through, where we would spend so, we don't even talk about doggone, we're just talking about how we have to change the podcast because you feel completely different about it. Now you're just like, oh, whatever, what the fuck? I know, yeah, that's why I don't want to listen to it. I put a disclaimer on that one, actually, where I was like, just as a reminder to everyone, this was recorded on January 7th, like, we shouldn't have podcasted on January 7th. 
I didn't, because I, I have my own podcast too, and I didn't record specifically because of that. I had like a special episode where it's like, here's why I'm not doing my normal thing, because the fucking democracy is burning down. It's like, we probably should have just done that. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't fucking watch Doggone. But we are back now, <laughs> and we watched Adrian Brody a, suck it up on Saturday Night Live. A better thing? I don't I don't know if I can call this a better thing. Um. I'll say watching the Adrian Brody episode of Saturday Night Live was much better than watching Dog Gone <laughs> the other week. Um, but yeah. Well, I was very curious to get into this because um, my only previous experience with Adrian Brody and comedy is the classic Vince Offer film Inappropriate Comedy and his turn as Flirty Harry, the gay stereotype Dirty Harry parody. Yeah. And I was wondering, because that came after this, I believe, right? Uh, Yes. And I was wondering, like, because we watched this because famously, well, we watched it because Seth Meyers wasn't in it. Uh, But (laughs) I don't think I don't remember him being in the episode at all. But uh, also, it's it's famous and and infamous for being the the episode that got Adrian Brody banned. And we'll talk about why. But he was banned from the show and never allowed to return. So I was wondering if like Flirty Harry was like his redemption. Like, I'm going to convince people that I can do comedy again. Well, I always I'm gonna do flirty Harry. Yeah, well, because yeah, if you watch that inappropriate comedy movie, like I felt bad for Adrian Brody at the time because I was like, oh, how did he get like suckered into this? But yeah, after watching this episode of Saturday Night Live, I'm like, oh no, I bet you Adrian Brody was like really digging that like a fucking homophobic sketch film that he was in, <laughs> directed by the Sham Wow well, guy. So yeah, I don't have any fucking well, sympathy apparently... for this guy at all. In preparation for the, watching this episode, I read about that. He is actually good friends with Vince Offer, so he did that as a favor to him. Oh. Like, like it wasn't like, you know, oh, I, maybe I'll do this movie, maybe it'll be fun, and then he's like, oh, no, what did I get myself into? No, he was like, like I, he was into that, or at least into the friendship with the guy who made it. Right, but at no point was he ever like, hey, man, let's punch up this script so it's not just one big homophobic joke. I don't know, I feel like considering the last sketch of this episode, I think he was fine with it. <laughs> good point. So yeah, let's jump into uh, Adrian Brody's SNL. Now remember, this episode was uh, from 2003, so of course we're starting off with a a reference parody machine uh, American Idol sketch that was whew, totally lost on me. I got nothing for this. And fucking what, like seven, eight minutes long? It's like a full-on sketch. It's like cold opens. I feel like should be like three to four minutes tops. Yeah. Well, the the whole premise of this thing is. They're doing the uh, who's going to get voted off American Idol. And the results are, we'll tell you after the break. And so they keep playing with that like, hey, and the winner is right after this message. And they do that over and over and over again. And they keep cutting to Maya Rudolph just singing the same jingle, which I guess is a reference to a Coke commercial that I have forgotten. But it's not funny the eighth time you do it. Well, but that, it's it's a joke designed to be funny through repetition, and yet it's not. And I don't know what the secret sauce is to that kind of joke. Mm-hmm. I always associate it with Family Guy, where they just do like the long thing where it's the same thing over and over again, and I never found it funny. And I'm trying to think of an example that I do find funny and I can't in the moment. But like that's a thing where it's like, what if we just do the same thing and eventually it'll get you'll get sick of it and then we'll do it some more times and then it'll be funny. I just don't think it's a funny thing. Well, it, the sideshow Bob stepping on rakes is what I always refer to that. You know, as. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's well, yeah, I guess 
but still, I just maybe don't do this anymore. Yeah, there's there's definitely you can make this structure of a joke work, but this was just so poorly paced. And also, it's you got Jimmy Fallon as Ryan Seacrest, so already I'm not on board. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. Oh, for and this. he he loves he loves his Jimmy Fallon impression so fucking much. Ugh, that was just disgusting. Wait, he loves his You know, Jim- I never put it Wait, together. Okay, I'm sorry. Jimmy Fallon, no, I'm sorry. Jimmy Fallon loves his Ryan Seacrest impression. I didn't mean that Jimmy Fallon was doing an impression of himself. Well, th- I mean, that's what I thought you meant. And I was like, yeah, no, that's apt. Because <laughs> he's not doing an impression. He's fucking Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. I don't know where this well, no, idea came from that Jimmy Fallon is great at impressions. But no, I was just thinking, uh, speaking of Family Guy, I never put it together that Family Guy doing the repetitive joke where he hits his knee, that's just another thing they stole from The Simpsons. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was giving them credit that that was at least an original gag that I hated. <laughs> um, but no, I, the, the only other thing I have to talk about this sketch is they put they took the time to put Tracy Morgan in fat guy makeup to play Reuben Stuttered when he could have just been Tracy Morgan dressed as Reuben Stuttered and it would have been fine. Well, he was looking pretty lean in the uh, ballroom dancing sketch. There was like, Tracy Morgan was like a big fat guy when he started. And then like towards the end, he like really like uh, started working out and got in really good shape. Well, no, I'm not saying, but I just don't think he has to be fat to pull off Ruben Stuttered. I mean, I I get that we know Ruben Stuttered is really fat, but like if he just, if he was just there in the jersey and the hat, wouldn't you know who he was? Oh, yeah. No, there's plenty of examples. Saturday Night Live is always guilty of like, doing way too much in just these little details and then when you see things like that you're like well why didn't you put that much effort into writing a fucking funny sketch but then or use the money you spent on it to pay a better writer that's true but it's also weird we're talking about this but later on adrian brody plays a character who has one arm and he just has his arm tucked into his shirt where you can like clearly see the outline of his arm like, I thought it was going to be a joke, like he was going to go, ha, fooled you, I really have an arm. But, like, that was the, like, like worst excuse. I love that when the production value or otherwise the execution of the sketch is so bad that it distracts, like, it makes you think the sketch has to, like, turn out differently. Like, clearly, that's going to be an element of the story that his arm isn't fake. No, they just sucked at making his arm look fake. Like, his mu- <laughs> this guy has is wearing a fake beard, like, so he must be in disguise or something. Oh, no, that's just a fake-looking beard that the makeup department put him in. He's going to turn out to be D.B. Cooper this whole time. <laughs> uh, this cold open does uh, give us sightings of uh, brief featured players, Dean Edwards and Jeff Richards, who are two cast members who, like, have escaped my knowledge of SNL. This was, like, when I was in college. I was so checked out from SNL. Also, like, Jimmy Fallon was on the shit show, and I was like, fuck this shit. I don't want to watch it at all. Uh, so, yeah, those two guys are, like, I have no idea what they did on the show at all. Well, I'm almost certain we've gotten both of them on the list at some point yeah. and skipped them because they weren't in anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we pulled Jeff Richards' name and been like, oh, Jeff Richards. Yeah, he was an SNL cast member. Can you name one Jeff Richards sketch? Uh, he was in the uh, cold well, open. I remember the... the cold open yeah. when he was in the military. Oh, uh, yeah. He was in the uh, American Idol cold open from the Adrian Brody episode. Man, whatever happened to that guy? All right. Well, we should also point out this is kind of a weird like transition season between like I guess you'd still call it like the Will Ferrell era with like Rachel Dratch and Jimmy Fallon those guys and then 
this what we would kind of associate, I think, with Seth Meyers, ironically enough, considering he's not in the episode. But like, it's sort of like right in between, you know, the, what I kind of still consider the modern era of the show and the like 90s era of the show. Yeah, well, because I think this was the year after Will Ferrell left. And then like Tina Fey hangs on for like two more seasons. And then I think that's when you get into like, I think that's when the main transition comes in. When Seth Meyers takes over at Weekend Update, I think that's when you get the uh, <clears throat> the modern day SNL. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Adrian Brody. Uh, fuck this guy, man. <laughs> like, honestly, fuck this guy. I'm trying to think if I've ever outward, like outright liked him in something. The only thing I can think of is I, I thought he was cool in Predators. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I think I did. Uh, but I mean, that was just a cool movie. I liked the the story. So like if anybody else had played that role, I would have still liked it. So it's not necessarily that he brought anything to it. I don't think I've ever saw him in anything. and went like, he is uniquely good in this thing. Yeah, I remember um, the first time I saw him was in Summer of Sam, the Spike Lee movie. Uh, and he was really good in that. And, but that was like his first movie. And I was like, oh, this Adrian Brody guy, like we're going to be seeing more of him. But then after that, like, I've never liked him since. And yeah, this whole, starting from his monologue, I am just getting pure fuck this guy vibes. Like, I just automatically don't like him. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here tonight. You know? Yeah. Wow, you're hot. <laughs> it's an honor to be on Saturday Night Live. It's great to be back home to New York, where I'm from. My home. I got my wonderful parents here. Well, yeah, well, and I never seen the penis, so I can't speak to that. The movie that he got the Oscar for, uh, but did you get? Well, because part of it, were you as biased as I was? Because I knew again the circumstances going into this that he got banned from SNL for this episode specifically for improving. So in every sketch, I'm I'm watching this sort of like the Justin Bieber episode where I'm like. Is everybody else around him, like, walking on eggshells going, like, please don't improv. Please, don't. like, you you did it in the fucking dress. Please don't improv. Like, just stick to the script. Like, I, I kind of felt that from every, whether or not it was real or not. That's just how I was kind of seeing it. Well, yeah, he definitely doesn't fit in with the rest of the cast at all because there is just a, there's a different energy every time he's in a sketch. Um, Like, for instance, like, we'll, we'll get into it, like, but like, uh, there's a Chris Kattan sketch later that I was thought was going great. It was running on all cylinders. And then Adrian Brody walks in and it's like, oh, I don't like this sketch anymore. And it's like it keeps getting better when it returns to him in the other room and them just doing the, the joke of the sketch. And then he just keeps showing up and ruining it. And I feel like that's like a metaphor for the entire episode. It's like there are some good stuff in there, or at least like good on paper ideas. And then Adrian Brody shows up to ruin everything. Yeah, he just sucks all the fun out of everything. Uh, and then <laughs> so he does his monologue. Um, where he's making, he makes a reference to when he won his Oscar, he was so, uh, he was not favored to win the Oscar. Like nobody thought he was going to win. Um, that, that was supposed to be like Daniel Day-Lewis. He was up against Daniel Day-Lewis, Jack Nicholson, Michael Caine, and Nicolas Cage. And then. Holy shit. Yeah. And so it was like a stacked best actor lineup, but they had all won Oscars before. So Adrian Brody was like the only one in that group who had never won because it was like his first big movie. Um, but yeah, he was a surprise winner. So he was so shocked that he impulsively grabbed Halle Berry, who was presenting the award, and planted a big kiss on her lips. Um, probably not the coolest thing to do, just grab a lady and kiss her. Um, but in 2003, we didn't really think that was a bad thing. 
Well, and I will, I mean, obviously, yes, in a post-Me Too era, I don't want to, like, be seen as defending an asshole like that, but I almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt in, like, the Roberto Benigni sense, like, you just won an Oscar, you kind of have to, like, say, well, you know, he wouldn't have done that just, like, to anybody on the street. Right. Uh, no, I, I give it a pass, but yeah, like, I, I can't imagine if that happened today, like, people would be like, wow, what a crazy impromptu Oscar moment. I can't wait till he jokes about it on SNL. <laughs> so yeah, he, he walks off stage, he kisses Maya Rudolph, uh, he kisses an audience member, and then he kisses Horatio Sands, and then he has this conversation with his mom, which is like, the most boring fucking thing. Don't bring your mom into a monologue. I mean, I guess it is the Mother's Day episode. He does say that. She was my date to the Academy Awards. She was there at the Golden Globes. She was at the premiere of The Pianist. She's she's here tonight to cheer me on. My pleasure. <laughs> and I'm so happy you're with me, Mom. And I'm very glad to be here with you. Did you know? Well, you know, Adrian... You'll have to learn to go to these things on your own. (laughs) Really. Mom. You're 30. You're 30 years old. You can't go everywhere with your mother. (laughs) But the thing is about the kiss with Maya Rudolph, I had forgotten about the Halle Berry thing. So when he did that and me in this mindset of, oh, this is the guy who's just going to go half cocked and improv everything. I'm thinking, did he just sexually harass Maya Rudolph on the air? It was a good theory. And then, like, try to cover it? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, that was me just making a goof about my Oscars. Remember that? Well, but again, I didn't remember that. So I was like, what the fuck was that? Why did he just do that? Oh, that's because he's Adrian Brody. That's why he got banned. <laughs> yeah, but he does that. And then he talks to his mom. And I really wanted him to, like, just <laughs> plant a big kiss on his mom. Like, I thought that would have been the perfect end of the monologue. Then just start humping his dad's face. Yeah, you know? <laughs> He just unzips his pants, puts his balls right in his dad's mouth. No, I think it would have worked better if it was actually Lauren Michaels. And he fucking started making out with Lauren Michaels. <laughs> uh, we'll have to uh, watch the Tom Green episode for, for that. Um, listen, to, Oh yeah, and then we get Mom Jeans, which is a... They play this goddamn Mom Jeans commercial every fucking Mother's Day episode. Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I know I've seen this like a million fucking times before. Yeah, it's, I don't consider it a classic. It's a fine one. Um, but what I do love is Brian Fellows. I don't know if I love this sketch or hate this sketch. <laughs> I always get a kick out of Brian Fellows. It's just Tracy Morgan shouting random nonsense. Uh, and the reason I think I love it so much is I'm always imagining like the writers like trying to come up with, like, the perfect Tracy Morgan lines and being like... Because that would be so much fun to just stay up until two in the morning and just think of shit to put in Tracy Morgan's mouth. I'm Brian Fellow. Hello, Brian. I'd like you to meet Sheba. What did you do to that cat? He's bald-headed. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's a special breed of cat that's hairless. That's, that's crazy. Well, yes, he is very unusual looking, yes. He makes me laugh because he looks like an old guy in a hospital. Well, I don't know why that would make you laugh, but Sheba is a very special breed called a Sphinx. If I was that cat, I would wear a wig or something. I don't don't think he minds being hairless. Well, whatever you do, don't take that cat to a baseball game. I wasn't planning on it. Well, don't. 
because when the mascot goes up in the stands, they always make fun of the ball guy. Okay, thanks for the advice. They would probably polish his head or give him a toupee made of silly string. Well, and it's the perfect sketch for a specific cast member because it almost feels, and I know it's not the case, but it almost feels like an improv sketch. Like Tracy Morgan, they just, they don't even write for him. They just send him up there and go, just say stupid shit. Like it feels like, like extemporaneous like that, even though it obviously isn't. Yeah. Well, and as we'll see in the, uh, one of the final sketches, <laughs> Tracy Morgan just saying shit is always good for a laugh. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say about Brian. Oh, I did like the little. Again, we're talking about like little moments where they go a little too far. The whole thing about Brian Fellows, he's Adrian Brody brings out a cat, a Sphinx cat, so it's bald, and then Brian Fellows is just obsessed with. If you take that cat to a baseball game, <laughs> the mascot of the other team will go up in the audience and make fun of it. Because they always pick on the bald guy. And they don't really explain this too much, but, like, I just like that little, like, <laughs> glimpse into Brian Fellow's life that, like, he saw that once and he's just been stuck with that forever. Well, but, I mean, that's also the setup for where the sketch goes into just ridiculous surreal territory where a puppet ca- uh, sphinx cat shaves him yeah. in his weird fantasy. <laughs> he just has to- nightmares about being shaved by a cat. <laughs> but I just love that. Just don't take that cat to a baseball game where the mascot will make fun of it. What? I think my thing with the sketch is I feel like they maybe just did it too much. Like, it seems like they never... And they did, there wasn't ever really a variation on it. It's just the same thing. Like, like eventually, the making copies guy meets Hulk Hogan or something, and, like, it's a different kind of sketch, you know? Or, or This is just, like, I don't think they ever did anything different with it. It's just... It's just he does. He says stupid shit. Oh yeah! If you've seen one Brian Fellows Safari Planet, you have seen every Brian Fellows Safari Planet. But hey, I haven't seen a Brian Fellows Safari Planet in a good while, so I enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah. After that, we have. Oh, this is the sketch you were talking about with Chris Kattan and the giant Chris Kattan photo. This one I was just loving. Chris Kattan brings Rachel Dratch home from a date, and he has a giant picture of his head on the wall of his apartment. But just the way the sketch plays out, like, he does, um, you know, she's asking, like, what's with that head? And he'll say, like, oh, that was him when I moved in. Oh, no, it wasn't. But, you know, I used to have plants in front of it, but then I moved them. So, anyway. Like, but he never really explains, like, why he put it there in the first place. Well, and, and the thing is, if it had just been that, it would have been enough. But then it, it extends to just all the different ways in which he's he's surrounded his life with these sort of self-centered thing. Like he has the, the music is journey, but it's him singing journey. Yeah. He plays, and of course then he, <laughs> he plays a CD of journey, but it's him singing it. And then you, the idea behind Adrian Brody's character works on paper. The idea that he has a manservant who walks around with a shirt with Chris Kattan's face on it. That's an extension of the same bit. That works fine for me. It's just the Adrian Brody performance that is just so distracting and takes you out of the premise of the bit. Yeah, it feels like Adrian Brody wanted to make this sketch about his character when his character is pretty much nothing more than just a sight gag. Like, it's just funny that this guy has a manservant. Here's the manservant. We don't need an extended bit with the manservant. And Adrian Brody, as a manservant, you can probably assume how homophobic his portrayal is. Have a seat, okay? Can I get you something to drink? A nice uh, glass of wine or something? Oh, um, okay. <laughs> Carlos. 
Yes. Carlos, can you get me uh, two glasses of uh, my favorite Chianti, please? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. Yes, here I go to get it. Okay. Go ahead, get it. Go ahead, get it. Go, you go, go, go there, no, You go get it. Go ahead, Carlos. Go ahead, Carlos. Carlos, go ahead. <laughs> I go get it. You can go get it now. Okay. Carlos, go get it. <laughs> so, what are you? Are you, uh, Latin or? <laughs> um, no, I'm Jewish. Really? Good. And that's the thing, and I, and I keep going back to the idea of him as an a guy who really wants to improv and you have experience with this. Presumably you, you worked with, you know, in improv, good improv and bad improv. I think to me, and I, I'm not, I've never done it myself, but just as somebody watches it, the line is, are you there to, to help yourself? Or are you there to help everyone else? I feel like, like Adrian Brody's a bad improv guy. He just wants attention. He wants everybody to look at him and see how clever he is. Whereas good improv is, Everybody's together, and I'm here to enhance. We're we're all here to enhance each other's performance and make the ensemble good. Oh yeah, but he he's just on his own improving for himself and nobody else. That, I couldn't say it any better myself. Yeah, he is just hamming it up in every sketch he's in, and it is terrible. Because <laughs> um, yeah, he just fucking ruins this sketch. I was loving this. <laughs> when, uh, um, what is uh, Chris Kattan says like. So, like, what ethnicity are you? And Rachel Dratcher's like, I'm Jewish. And he goes, ew. I know. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the rest of the sketch. Like, that's not necessarily something that comes from the premise of him being self-centered. It's just, and he's also anti-Semitic for some reason. (laughs) And there's just, there's so many just absurd lines in this sketch that I just loved. But yeah, every fucking time Adrian Brody walks out, it's just like, oh, sketch is instantly ruined now. And he stand like they stand there, him and Chris Kattan. It almost looks like Chris Kattan is like thinking the same thing I am. Like, can you get the fuck out of here? I don't know. At the same time, I got the sense not so much in this sketch, but in the second sketch where they're together in the Lenscrafters sketch. Yeah, I think they kind of got it on. Like they were they both because I feel like Chris Kattan's also kind of that way, where like he's very much about his own, like the attention on him, not to the same extent. And I'm. I actually do like Chris Kattan. I, I like. I, I I'm a fan of his comedy, but generally speaking, anyway. But I feel like he has a bit of that ego, and I think maybe they were on the same wavelength in this episode. Maybe yeah. This was a big episode for Chris Kattan. He is all over this damn thing. He was in the Brian Fellows sketch. He was in American Idol. He's in this. He's in Live with Regis and Kelly. Uh, he's in the Lens Crafters, and I guess that's it. So, but still, pretty big damn episode for that guy. Uh, yeah, and then a shitty fucking ending to this sketch, but they just fucking dance. <laughs> it's like, they, neither of the, nobody thought of an ending. So they're just like, why don't we just dance? And then the camera will zoom away from us. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's typical SNL. How yeah. many, how many sketches have ended with, I don't know, let's dance. <laughs> There's another one in this episode that ends the, that way. That is true. They <laughs> Ah, you'll never change, SNL. You'll never fucking change. Uh, Live with Regis and Kelly, speaking of never fucking changing, I cannot stand talk show sketches. They just instantly, like, just fucking bore me. Like, as soon as I saw Live with Regis and uh, Kelly, I was like, goodbye, good night, nurse, I'm, I'm out. 
And, well, and also it's just because talk shows themselves suck and the people that watch them suck. And I feel like it's it's catered to the people that watch them and have the familiarity with them. So it's just it's shitty people writing shitty sketches about shitty people for shitty people. Yeah. The joke is that Regis and Kelly aren't really listening to their guest. Like, yeah. Or each other. And they're. Yeah. Everybody's self-centered and an asshole. Isn't that hilarious? But yeah, this is the sketch where Adrian Brody just has his fucking arm in his shirt. He's like, yeah, my, my arm's missing. Tuck it behind your back. Button the jacket, maybe. Button the fucking jacket. And that covers up the arm. Academy Award winning actor. This is another sketch that I think works on paper. The idea that he's he's telling this incredibly harrowing story and they're just not listening and taking the most superficial elements of what he says and just going off on tangents while he's talking about how he had to cut his own arm off and wished for death. That's I can see that being funny. It's just the performances. Adrian Brody sucks in it. And in this case, so does Daryl Hammond, who... I've turned around completely on Daryl Hammond as a result of this podcast. I used to like Daryl Hammond on SNL and just in general, and I I think I fucking hate him now. He had a very brief window where he was amazing. Like it was around like the Clinton scandal, you know, with the Monica Lewinsky shit. Because he had a dynamite Tom Brokaw uh, that was just great, and then he had the Clinton. Um, so yeah, he, and Al Gore too. So like he was really great. When Chris in that. Matthews, I remember he was he did a lot. Yeah. But that was like four years. And then for some reason, he stayed on for 10 more years. And it was just sad. Like, it was sad to see Daryl Hammond on SNL. But it's just like that and adding to like all the, the movies we've seen him in where it's like, you know, he's an epic movie and you know, fucking scary movie three is the pedophile priest. And I just like it's almost to the point where like I know he's the announcer now, like he took over for Don Pardo. And I almost, like, wish they hadn't have done that. Like, I don't think he deserves to be on the show. Like, they should have gotten somebody else. Oh, man. I I had this thought, like, sometime last year I was watching uh, an episode of Saturday Night Live. And I'll, I'll put this out in the universe now. Chris Parnell. Get Chris Parnell to be the announcer for Saturday Night Live. I would love hearing his voice every week. Oh, yeah. I mean, fucking he's he's since SNL, in addition to just his live action work, he's become an accomplished voice actor. He's obviously on Rick and Morty and among other things. And yeah, he would be great. Yeah, he's got the best fucking voice in the business. And he can he's like the best commercial pitch man, too, for when you need that guy like to be the voiceover at the end. Like side effects include like he's just perfect for that. So he could just be the voice. Well, he's, he's the progressive CGI box guy i yeah. think isn't that what he i don't know what he is is he a book is he a box i what can't the remember fuck is that thing i think it's the logo I, I think he's a logo with legs but he's like a box so i think it's like like when you get your progressive insurance they give you like a box with all your paperwork and he's the living embodiment of that box of paperwork <laughs> is this a brave little toaster situation yes everything is alive <laughs> including paperwork but I always get that thing confused with the um the little guy who wants you to mail your shit. What? The little guy who wants you to mail your shit? You ever seen that commercial where it's just the guy who's like, hey, uh, you know, colon cancer is uh really bad for people over 40. You should, like, send your poop in the mail. And he's just I a little not, box. I don't think I'm... I don't think I've ever seen this guy. Oh, no, he's just in this commercial. Yeah, he's a little cartoon box who's like, you know, hey, if you send your poop to this place, they'll check it for colon cancer. No, I don't I, remember. I know I've seen the I've seen the bladder one where like the lady has like her bladder as like a little kid next to her. 
And she's like, come on, come to the bathroom with me so you can pee every five minutes. Oh, That's the only know. one I can think of like that. But I don't know. Yeah, It's no. like a little anthropomorphic bladder. Yeah, this place wants you to mail your poop so they check it for colon cancer and send it back. <laughs> what do they send it back to you? <laughs> I think it's just a scam to get free poop. I mean, I can't imagine they send it back to you. <laughs> Isn't it? Con- that has to be <laughs> illegal to send poop in the mail. <laughs> Because isn't that like a contaminant? Like a like a biological hazard? I don't know. Is that one of the things they ask you when you mail a package? Does this have batteries in it? No, but it's full of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I ate some batteries, so they they might be in the shit. I don't know. I didn't check. And they're like, oh, yeah, good news is you don't have cold. So what do you want me to do with your poop? Well, yeah, I guess you can keep it. Nah, nah, well, we gotta we send have- it back. We have this massive communal art project where we spread it on the walls. We could donate it to that. Uh, okay, anyway. Oh, fucking S- Sodom and Osama. Holy shit. This might be the most intentionally offensive, like, subversive thing I've ever seen on SNL. Oh, it was so wrong, but so good. <clears throat> TV Funhouse. Yeah, it's not a criticism. No, t- yeah, it's a TV Funhouse. It's Abu Dhabi Kids. So, <laughs> they're, uh, the, the main cartoon is uh, Sodom and Osama, which, remember, this is 2003, um, and they're portrayed as the heroes. But what really had me rolling was in the middle, they cut to commercials for other Abu Dhabi kids programs where we see uh, Batman fighting the evil Jews. Uh, well, it's the Joker, Riddler, and the Penguin because they use the actual footage from the old show. But it's just the Jew, the other Jew, and the little old Jew. <laughs> oh, but And then the Martyrs, um, which is just about two um, suicide bombers in heaven with their... Uh, Endless pies and 70 virgins and the fun they have. Uh, the thing that got me was fucking rocks. <laughs> a commercial for rocks, which you can use to throw at enemy soldiers. <laughs> but it's the exciting new toy for kids and they have like decals of like Pokemon on them. <laughs> it's like if Nerf made rocks and it's just these kids dancing with their rocks and then just clips of people throwing rocks at tanks. It was, but it's just like they used real kids. Like everything else is animated. This they used real kids, and like they had to cast those kids to hold those rocks. It's like you're referring to like real shit in the Middle East. Like there are actual kids that pick up real rocks and throw them at tanks, and like a lot of them get killed as collateral damage. And there's this fucking jokey sketch where the kids are playing with the rocks. It's fucking ridiculous. I know, but remember this was 2003, so we are like you know right after 9/11, where it was like. It's cool if you just, like, mock Muslims. We don't give a shit. Oh, no, I I can sort of... I mean, I don't want to give it the... I don't want to give it a pass. But oh, no, I it's still not good. Yeah, it's not good. But, yeah, it's fucked up and wrong. Yeah. I, it's like when you see Billy Crystal in blackface. You're like, whoa, that's shocking. Wait a minute. It was 1984. Still not right. I... That's the thing. Yeah, I don't abide that context. That's no. That was still wrong. But less Much shocking. like what we're watching right now. <laughs> yes. Speaking of uh, <laughs> yeah, 
what do you call that? A blackface, you're, you're, you're lost for words. You're perplexing, just mumbling. That is the perfect distillation of what this is. Yeah, this is the only part of the episode I've ever seen before. I, I have seen this moment many times. Adrian Brody decided to put on a Rastafarian wig and do a little make-em-ups when he introduced Sean Paul, mispronounced his name as Sean John, uh, and he's just doing a little There was a Sean accent. John, though, wasn't there? Isn't there a rapper or somebody named Sean John? No, that is uh, Sean Puffy Combs' uh, uh, clothing line, I believe. Oh, okay. But, okay, well, I did not realize. I'd never seen that clip before now. And I'd always heard about it. I knew, I knew that it was a thing. I did not realize how fucking long he goes. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I know I said I wasn't editing these podcasts anymore, but I would be remiss if I didn't include a clip of this. You know, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind, Jamaica, man, you know, you know, Rastafari, you know, you got the whole family in the house, you know, you know, we got, we got Sean Peter, you know, you got Sean Paul, you got Sean Mary, you got Sean John, you know, we all in the house now, man. You know, respect all aspects, you know, me respect, me next spec, me spec, me uncle spec, you know. Yeah, we, we, got, we got a great show, you know. We got Kingston Massive, yeah. Boom, 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 and it's, I, it was like, it was so cringeworthy. I, I had trouble watching it, and I watched it twice, because I watched this episode twice. And I was just like, oh my god, oh, make it stop. Oh yeah, and the, the best part is when he's like... And then like, Sean Paul comes out. <laughs> I just love when, man, Adrian Brody, when he's doing the whole, oh, we get respect, my wrist spect, my neck spect, my leg spect. <laughs> what are you even talking about, dude? And in his defense... They had the costume. Yeah. It's not like he brought that from home. Clearly, he found that in the costume place and was like, hey, why don't I dress up like this Rastafarian that you have here for me to have as an option? Yeah, that's the story I I heard is that oh, this was completely unplanned and unscripted. Lauren Michaels did not know about this, and this is why Adrian Brody will never be invited back to host Saturday Night Live. Apparently, he went to the wardrobe like it, during the commercial break and was like... Can I have this? Like, can I wear this? And, you know, they were like, yeah, sure. You're Adrian Brody. Here it is. And he just went out and did that. That's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, I guess, I wonder if like, that's the thing, you know, like every once in a while you see a sign and it says like, no, something very specific. And you're like, who did the fucking incredibly specific thing? that made him put up that sign. I wonder if there's a sign on there like, do not let the host in the, in here <laughs> after the show starts. And it's like, why? Why is that there? Oh, it's there because of Adrian Brody. Patty from HR has to come down and be like, okay, we all have to sign this new form now. If the host asks for a racist wig, you are supposed to call me immediately. We don't keep coal tar in the building when Billy Crystal's here. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that that is just fucking bonkers to watch. But just, I mean, you think of the big dick energy this guy has. I mean, he's been in the business for like four years and he won an Oscar. So it's like, you know, I I probably would be a dick too, you know, if that happened to me. I don't know, but is it, 
is it that or is it the other direction? Is it naivete? Is it he's so new that he just doesn't understand that you don't do that kind of shit? Oh, yeah, it's probably a lot of that, too. I'm sure he's just like, man, I am the king shit of fuck mountain. I want a goddamn Oscar. Everything I do is fucking great. People are going to love this shit. Yeah, he wasn't going out there being like, yeah, this is stupid. He was like, fuck yeah, man, I'm Adrian Brody. People are going to love my Jamaican Rasta character. But I wonder if it's also like he doesn't know much about SNL and like he's just watched it on TV and he doesn't understand like it's a tightly wound machine. And he's just like, yeah, this is what we do here. We, we do fun make ups I'm going to be a Jamaican guy. Well, I would say that's a good theory, but we are heading into Weekend Update where Horatio Sands <laughs> does not seem to care at all about anything that's on any cue card. Fine, Jimmy. Wink. <laughs> the next number comes late in the second act. Oh, yeah? It's called Night Song, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Frankenstein, how's it been going? Heard you in the Lady Counter went Splitsville. Sorry, God, relationships are pretty hard. God. Especially when you're made out of 14 other dudes. Come on, man, let's have some brews. Catch up on the good old times. Frankie and Lestat. Frankie and Lestat? Yes. So the Frankenstein monster's in your musical? Of course, Jimmy. And Mummy. Mm-hmm. Wolfman. Of course. Chewbacca, <laughs> Oscar the Grouch. It's a musical about monsters, Jimmy. Wol- Wolfman's in there, too? <laughs> yes, Wolfman's in there. Uh, you haven't read the book, have you? Jimmy, it may surprise you to hear that I have not. And I loved that. I don't know what your feelings were. I did, But too. I enjoyed his, his Elton John impression. There yeah, Horatio Sands comes out as Elton John, and there are moments where I was like, come on, man, just pull it together and finish this. Like, I can't believe this is still going on. But then there's also moments where I'm like, you know what? This bit is so terrible that if you played it straight, it would not work at all. So you got to do what you got to do, Horatio. The the brilliance of it is they both know how bad it is and they're just leaning into it. Yeah. Like every time he, he's playing the piano fakely and then he just goes off the piano. Yeah. Now this is this is a shitty bit. Like it doesn't even have any purpose. Like you even said when we were watching it was like, was this based on a real thing? And I'm like, probably not. Elton John is like, I, they set it up with like, Elton John has been rumored to be talking about making a musical about Dracula. So well, no, it's the vampire Lestat, which is interview with the vampire, yeah. which is like, I would have, I liked interview. I would have heard about that shit in 2003. So maybe it was a thing and then it never happened, but I'm almost certain that never came to fruition if it was ever a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then all his songs are just Elton John songs, but with Frankensteins and Draculas in them. Um, I do t- <laughs> got to talk about Caterpillar too. Caterpillar <laughs> I know it sounds like gibberish, but that's what it is. And this, I guess, X Men Two had just come out, so this was like one of several X Men jokes in the episode. Yes, we do have another X Men joke. There's like three X Men jokes in this episode. Two thousand three, yeah, that must have been the sequel. Um, but yeah, 
Apparently, some mutants are upset that they weren't included in X-Men 2, including Rachel Dratch with a baby arm sticking out of her head. And all she does is drool and then leaves. Brevity is the soul of wit. Is that the, the brilliance of the joke is mutants in real life aren't like superpowered heroes. They're they're the flipper babies, and that's right. basically what she is. Caterpillar. <laughs> and would you be surprised to know that this was a recurring character? <laughs> yes, I fucking would. Please don't. Please tell me you're joking. Like briefly, like it was kind of a joke recurring character because later on. Um, when uh i guess it would have been before that or maybe it was after this um angelina jolie remember she had that weird thing with her brother like everyone thought she was fucking her brother i do remember that yeah they did and her a, brother like looks just like a male version of herself yeah so they did a weekend update bit where um they had a, a daughter and <laughs> the daughter was quaterkoplex and that was after this i think so so this is the debut of Caterpoplex, and that's that was the sequel? I want to say this is the first Caterpoplex, but uh, yeah, th- at least like three or four other times they just brought her, like, never more than that. It was always just a sight gag. They never had like a Caterpoplex sketch. I just feel like that's Rachel Dratch in the writer's room going like, hey, can I can I put some Caterpoplex in this, in this yeah. sketch? <laughs> you know what would be funny? If Caterpoplex showed up. They'd be like, all Stop right. fucking suggesting Caterpoplex. <laughs> you get one Caterpoplex per season. Uh, but no, uh, I, I enjoyed that as well. And they, I uh, didn't care about any of the uh, stuff that's actually like Weekend Update jokes. Like the two, oh, no. you know, anchors. This is the Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey era of, uh, Weekend Update. You can count me out for this too. Um, but hey, remember SARS? I think it's exceptionally bad. Like, 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 I remember when Colin Quinn first started before I kind of warmed up to him. I thought he was genuinely bad at it. Whereas like this, it's just so mediocre, but like it never improves. Like Colin Quinn, I think improved and kind of, you know, eventually, you know, warmed to the role. I don't think they ever did. I don't know. This is, yeah, this is like the middle of their tenure. They really sucked. In my opinion, they really sucked their first like season and a half. Uh, and then they grew better. But yeah, this was just, it was just lame, man. Just lame jokes. Um, it's not only that they're dated, it's just that they're fucking lame jokes. I didn't laugh at any of them. They had a Menendez Brothers joke. The Menendez Brothers you was mentioned a punchline. <laughs> but that was, yeah, this was 2003. I remember in like 1998 when The Cable Guy came out, that was a joke in that movie. And that was even kind of dated because it was like several years after that. Yeah, this would have been like at least 10 years after the Menendez brothers. But that's the punchline to the joke. Like, can't think of anything else. Um, And then, oh, my God. And then this is where the episode really uh, drives itself off a fucking cliff real quick because I was kind of digging it up until this uh, whatever this lens crafters sketch is. Sebastian. Yes, Roland. Oh my god, what is this? <laughs> Tell me these are not academia oblongs. Yes, they are. Ew. <laughs> Please tell me you're wearing these as a joke. I guess it's good that I'm getting new ones. It is. It really is. It really is. These are the kind of glasses that make people hate you. Well, it's the joke is they're like artsy fartsy guys, but they work at lens crafters. So their their thing is like they have they're they're very stylish about glasses. And the glasses are all very, um, what do you call it, not practical. Like, one of them is a Cyclops glass. 
And that's that's the joke, and I don't care. Yeah, it's just Amy Poehler comes in to buy glasses, and then um, effeminate weirdos Chris Kattan and Adrian Brody put, like, tiny glasses on her, giant glasses on her. They put glasses on her backwards. It kind of reminded me of, um, you remember that Jimmy Fallon sketch where um, they were all in black, and they were like the, it wasn't get Jeffries. It was like the high-end fashion store. And, like, customers would come this. in. Oh, it was a terrible Jimmy Fallon sketch, but it kind of reminded me of this. Um, yeah, I have nothing to say about this shit. Adrian Brody sucks. Um, <laughs> I'll do, you go mean, do you mean, uh, George, do you mean Adrian Brody and his fake nose? <laughs> I'll go ahead. I'll tell that story. While I'm watching this Lens Crafter sketch, I'm not thinking about much else because I'm not laughing at it. But Adrian Brody's wearing a very obvious fake beard. And so that's when I started thinking, like, Oh man, that beard looks really fake. Like, why didn't they get a better beard? And then I went, what? And why did they give him such a big fake nose? And then I went, oh shit. (laughs) That's just his real life honker. And I don't know if Adrian Brody is even Jewish or not. I mean, he was in The Pianist, which is about, I don't know, I assume he is. I would imagine. But even if he's not, even if he's not Jewish, that's (laughs) (laughs) anti-Semitic. Non-Jews can have big noses too. That's racist for you to say that. And again, I and the thing I said to you, which I, I still thoroughly believe, the, we, and we've alluded to it, Adrian Brody was an inappropriate comedy, which if you've never seen that movie, don't fucking watch it. It's one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen in my goddamn life. But that's one of the most intentionally offensive movies ever made, and it's bad. It's not like uh, like the, the, the Saddam sketch in this was intentionally offensive, but it was funny. That he's flirty Harry, which is like this gay stereotype, but that also has the amazing racist, which is Ari Shafir just being racist because it's funny to be racist. It's like, I don't care what you say about Adrian Brody. It all He deserves all of it. Yeah. I, I've always said we can watch inappropriate comedy for the podcast. It does have Rob Schneider in it. Fuck you. I will never watch that movie again. <laughs> yeah. No, that lens, this lens crafter sketch is actually where I wrote down a note. Oh, flirty Harry makes sense now. Because, yeah, this was the moment where I was like, oh, no, this is just what Adrian Brody thinks is funny. Like, well, I, I thought he was a bad You would know better than comedy. anyone, though. Because uh, between the two of us, you're the only one that's also seen the underground comedy movie. And I didn't know this, but apparently Vince Offer plays Flirty Harry in that movie. Oh, I don't Like, that remember. was a recurring bit. Oh, you don't, maybe you just didn't remember that. But, yeah, I read that online. Maybe it's apocryphal, but it said that, yeah, that was carried over from the previous movie. I think I would remember that, but yeah, I don't remember that. That movie is, um, I don't know, it might be worse than inappropriate comedy. I've Again, I've, I've deliberately went out of my way not to see it. Yeah, but, but it's also like, worsely made too, so that makes it worse. Like, inappropriate comedy is a terribly made movie, but like, it's slightly more competent than the other one. Um, speaking of slightly more competent... This ballroom dance sketch was slightly more competent than Lens Crafters, but not by a whole lot. Well, this sketch is basically just, hey, who's got a funny voice they haven't done on the show yet? Okay, yeah. well, I'll put them in this sketch where they go to a dance class. Yeah, that, uh, what, what the fuck was this? Adrian Brody is teaching a dance class. Uh, you got Fred, Rachel, Horatio, and uh, Tracy, and they're the people in the dance class. And that's just it. We just see them and they all have like weird quirks. Uh, Why are you here, sir? 
Oh, well, well, hello. My name is Gabe Fisher, and uh, I like to move my body to the music, uh, you know, so uh, I'm no Patrick Swayze, so uh, here I am. I'm taking a class. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. Ma'am? Ma'am. Listen to this. He calls me ma'am. Uh, well, my name is Ruth, and I was looking to take a class to get out of the house, and I figured on a dance class, because I thought it might be nice to have some physical contact with someone other than myself. That's very compelling. That's nice. Next. Hi, my name is Vasquez. I'm here at dance class because I got a song in my heart and I'm light on my feet. I mean, MVP of the sketch, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Say, I feel like I might shake a fart loose. Hey, Jay, how you feel? I feel like I might shake a fart loose. <laughs> Well, that and then the dance they're doing at the end. Hey, look at this dance we just made up. And then they hold on it for like, because I think Adrian Brody's trying not to break and laugh. And so it's just them doing this weird little jig for like a minute. I know. I just thought of this, but like, you know, Adrian Brody was probably a jerk during the whole week, right? So like, I wonder if her, that was just why Horatio was seemed so noncommittal in this sketch and Weekend Update. If he was just like, what the fuck ever, man? Like at this point... I'm just glad this is over. Yeah, that's and again, I, I I was getting a lot of the same energy of the of Justin Bieber of the audience or the, of the cast, just really not liking this guy. Yeah, this was the sketch where I saw it the most because there's a moment where he's like manhandling Rachel Dratch, and I almost, I mean, maybe it's just me putting you know me too goggles on this, but I, I almost felt like I, she looks a little uncomfortable just having her ass like squeezed and then he's like he grabs his crotch and like rubs his dick right up in her butthole and i was like Ugh. yeah no this is not well i mean i'm gonna, I'm just gonna say this overall this was not good this was not a good experience for anybody involved watching it making it this was just this was badness yeah um and would it surprise you to know that vasquez gomez vasquez is a recurring character at this point, nothing surprises me, but actually, yes, it does. <laughs> Horatio's character in this, um, he was in a lot of sketches. Like, it, they kind of repeated something like this, where it was kind of the same format, and then he had a couple solo sketches. Uh, he hosted a talk show at one point. Like, <laughs> I don't know who Vasquez Gomez Vasquez is. One of the most bizarre recurring characters in SNL history. I just, you mentioned he he hosted a talk show. I feel like that's like... The arc of every character that was ever introduced on SNL eventually gets their own talk show sketch. Yeah. You start out as a supporting player in someone else's sketch, then you get your own sketch, then you're hosting a talk show. Well, would it surprise you to know about the Perplex talk show, <laughs> which he just trolls <laughs> for five minutes? Well, for, you do get a weekend update bit somewhere in there as well. Like, that's when you're you're really falling off in popularity. They drag you on to weekend update. You know, that would be a fun sketch in its own right to do, like, a biopic of a recurring character and his slow fall from grace. Where he's like, yeah, I started out as a, you know, a, a recurring bit in another sketch. And then I got my own sketch. And then it was a recurring sketch. And then they stopped wanting me in sketches. So they just had me on weekend update a couple of times. And then I hosted a talk show sketch, and then I knew the writing was on the wall. <laughs> like, oh. it's the, uh, who's the guy, the failed comedian guy? Oh, uh, Bruce uh, Chandling. 
Kyle Mooney's yeah, Bruce Bruce, Chandler. Like, do Bruce Chandling's like, you know, like his version of Mr. Saturday Night, you know? He did one of those where he... Um, it was either, I think it was last season where he was like the new featured cast member. Uh, and it was like his journey on how, on getting a sketch on the air. Um, but what was I thinking? Oh, you know, there's a brilliant, uh, Saturday or, um, the fuck's it called? TV Funhouse uh, called The Life of a Catchphrase, where they follow, um, John Lovitz's That's the Ticket in its longevity. And then it ends with like John Lovitz broken, penniless, being abducted by aliens and becoming their becoming their king um but yeah that's a great one no i think i remember that one i remember did you ever watch the actual show they did like they had a comedy central show for like a season yeah no i couldn't get into that i i remember being excited for that and then like just i watched like two episodes and i was like this is not what i want it to be see i never i never saw but i was always curious just because i mean i've always loved them on the show yeah no it just it it wasn't i wasn't digging that one um, well, I remember that was around the same time as they did that freak show show with David Cross and Janine Garofalo that was terrible. I don't know if you ever saw that. They did Little Bush, which was like Little George Bush. Oh, I do remember that one. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of... The state of animation in the early 2000s was not good. And there's also just a, a lot of weird one-season Comedy Central shows from the early 2000s. Where, like, if yeah. you showed me a list of them, I'd be like... Fuck yeah, I watched that! Uh, well, here we got our second musical guest, because this episode has two different musical guests, which, that's, this boggles my mind more than Andrew and Brody's weird racist thing. Evidently, I think, I think the idea is that neither of these people had more than one song, Sean Paul and... Wayne Wonder. Wayne Wonder? Wayne Wonder. I, I, I at least remember Sean Paul and I remember that song. I don't remember a second song and I don't even know who this guy is. I feel like they were like, yeah, let's just have two different people on so that we can have a second number because Adrian Brody sucks and we need at least two musical guest numbers. Yeah, hey, it works for me. <laughs> Honestly, like I would rather check out Wayne Wonder than Sean Paul's <laughs> B-side. Um, but yeah, no, I do remember well, the, the thing Sean is they Paul have the song. same backup dancers. <laughs> so are they f- affiliated or not? Maybe they toured together. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, but no, that this doesn't was weird. always happen. Like I like that doesn't happen though. Like like your your opening act it doesn't <laughs> come to Saturday Night Live with you. That's not a thing. Tonight's musical guest: The Rolling Stones and Alien Ant Farm. Oh, okay. It's also weird yeah, that Alien, Alien Ant, Ant Farm, Farm opened for Rolling Stones. <laughs> this is the first band I could think of off the top of my head. But yeah, it's weird. We do get two musical guests in this. And then we get our 10 to 1 sketch. Uh, eh, what the fuck? Velvet Productions. Yeah, if you didn't think Adrian Brody was loving playing Flirty Harry in inappropriate comedy, then watch yourself the 10 to 1 sketch of this SNL episode. This is just gay porn titles are funny. Okay, now all the latest stuff that we've shot are porn versions of recent popular movies. For instance, um... We have a movie here uh, based on the X-Men. Any uh, title suggestions? The Sex-Men. Nice. That's nice. I hope they're all that easy. (laughs) Any ideas for Lord of the Rings? Maybe uh, Lord of the Rims? (laughs) Well, with the right cover photo, it could work, yes. Moving on. Um, hmm. Sweet Home Alabama. 
sweet home Alan's butthole. Oh, that is excellent, Toby. That is just excellent work. We'll have to add a character named Alan, but it's worth it. Thank you, Hector. And it's so, it's, I said this at the time, this is the laziest premise for a sketch. It's just a thing, I mean, we, everybody does, oh, let's come up with the porn movie title of a, a porn parody for, like, a, a regular movie. And that's all it is. They just, well, and then the joke is, they get to the pianist, and they can't think of the obvious one, so they, they struggle with it. Oh my but, like, God. that's, that, that's not a joke. That's just, I mean, it is, but it sucks. And they struggle with it for so long. Yeah, it's just, you know, if you were ever, like, walking through a blockbuster, and then you were just like, hey, what's the gay porn parody of this movie and this movie? That's what this sketch is. Uh, it's like, Sex Men, Lord of the Rims. Um, I wrote them all down. Oh, I did like, uh, Sweet Home Alabama is now Sweet Home Allen's Butthole. I kind of enjoyed that one. Yeah, and I, I, now I used to do this. I, I believe my favorite one was uh, that I, I did was, uh, you know, that, that movie Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom? Uh-huh. So mine, mine would have been Manfella, Long Cock to Free Bum. <laughs> well, I remember we used to do that, like, because we would go to the Hollywood video and, like, rent movies all the time. And I, I would always love getting the little brochure of, like, the movies coming out. And I remember we would always, like, we'd be in the back seat and, like, what's this dragon heart, dragon fart? What's this? How to make an American quilt? How to make an American fart? See, yours were less creative. (laughs) And just fart porn was, uh, you know, (laughs) such a a bigger genre back then. But that would have been a better sketch. Sweet Home Alabama? Sweet Home Alan Fart? I always, I, I always thought of that, like if, if Weird Al was ever on the show, I, an idea for a sketch for Weird Al, where like, like, I think it'd be like a good Chris Farley sketch back in the '90s, where like he's, he's like excitedly suggesting parody songs, but they're all just replacing something that rhymes with fart with fart. Like, what if you know that, you know that, you know that Total Eclipse of the Heart song? Yeah. What about? Stay with me here. Total Eclipse of the Fart. And then he's, he's just trying to let him down. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really do fart humor, you know. I just. Okay, now I get you. But what about? And then it just keeps going. Yeah, that's that. What we just did there was a sketch on Saturday Night Live in two thousand three. They're just saying porn titles. But yeah, when they get to the pianist, and then it's just like for two minutes, they're like pianist, 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 pianist. No, I can't think about. I can't think of it. Pianist, pianist, pianist. You know, and it's just that's all it is for the. And this is the end of the episode, and it's just grind into a fucking halt and i also feel like they missed a joke because at one point uh they suggest pee in ass yeah and i think he just kind of dismisses it. i think he should have said like oh no we don't handle that fetish that's for you know like because that would that would be a title for a movie i suppose wouldn't it or if he just like slapped him in the face like how dare you <laughs> take that gross uh, things over to uh, rim job productions we don't deal with that smut here <laughs> um yeah, and but thank you, Will Forte and Chris Parnell, for not following Adrian Brody's lead and putting on the effeminate gay guy voice. It's actually funnier when you don't do that. That's the thing. This would have been funnier if they were all like straight laced, like guys in suits. Yeah. Like this was like a corporate meeting and they were discussing it rather than like their obvious porn producers. Yeah. And they're also enjoying it too. Yeah, it would be more well, cause also the sketch starts with a mislead, because Amy Poehler's in there in a in a, a suit. 
And they're like, okay, it's time to name the gay porn movies. And she's like, oh, I think I'm in the wrong meeting. And then she leaves. But yeah, that would have been a better, if they're all in suits and they're like, all right, we got to get these porn titles named by five. Come on, guys, come on. Or if it was like, uh, you know, like, I'm thinking like Phil Hartman as like a newspaper editor, you know, sitting behind a desk with a big cigar. like. Well, it's like they, they, like they're a corporation and they bought out this porn company. So now it's a subsidiary. So it's like, they're not used to it. Like they're not actual porn people. They're just like, this is our job now. We got to name the porno. Right. But yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not fun to just watch porn producers say porn names but yeah it'd be fun if like there was an old lady you know the janitor walks in or something and he's got the great well, they're idea doing a fo- they're doing a focus group testing of like people in peoria you know yeah. like, what do you think of this porn name yeah you could have could have done so much more with this but they stopped with hey bend over like beckham <laughs> we yeah. can end there shows due on saturday boys <laughs> So yeah, and that's that's the illustrious end to this episode, which we mentioned it's a 10 to 1 sketch. Those are the ones I usually like because they're the weird ones that they know they, they can do, get away with more because people are asleep. And so they always, that's like the brilliant ones that I always love. And that's, they wasted that opportunity on Bender, Bend Him Like Beckham, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I mean, there's just as many episodes of Saturday Night Live where the last sketch is the best sketch as there are the last sketch is the worst sketch. Sometimes it's just the last sketch of the night. I know, but the potential is always there. Yeah. I always get excited for the last sketch. I'm like, all right, here we go. And yeah, when I get a stinker like this, I'm like, ah, dude, you left me on a bummer. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what this episode did for me. It ruined all the, uh, the jubilation we have for living in a post Trump world. (laughs) But then we watched Adrian Brody and now we're sad again. (laughs) But no, I was like, I digged, I was digging most, I was digging it for a little bit. Brian Fellows, the Chris Kattan with the giant picture head, half of that worked for me. Saddam and Osama, brilliant. Kirtle Plux and Elton John worked for me, but yeah, everything else after that was shit. Yeah, no, this was, I mean, it's far from the worst episode that I've watched for this podcast. I mean, we have, they're fading into memory now. The Malcolm McDowell one might be the worst, I think. Oh, yeah. Is there something worse than that? I can't think of it. No, but, that's um, going to be the worst one. But yeah, th- th- this was far from that. This is, you know, actually an okay episode. Yeah. All it things was, considered. It was decent. I mean, despite Adrian Brody's attempts to ruin it. Because like I said, every time Adrian Brody was in it, I didn't like it. But other than that, like even that ballroom dancing sketch, like I'll watch Horatio Sands and Tracy Morgan dick around for two and a half minutes. But it's just the Adrian Brody of it all that's just ruining my enjoyment. Well, it's funny because we had the same criticism of the George Foreman episode. And... I feel like like Adrian Brody's an accomplished at this point Oscar winning actor and we have the same reaction to him as George Foreman the boxer <laughs> and I feel like George Foreman arguably more charming. I'll I'll give George Foreman better host points than Adrian Brody definitely. Um I, yeah, I'm trying to think of the episodes we've watched. I mean Mr. T was probably the worst host. <laughs> But he didn't do anything. But that's the thing. They were aware of that at the time. And even he was just like, yeah, I'll just be here in the background. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, without looking at a list of episodes we've covered, I will safely say Adrian Brody is the worst host we've seen. No, Nancy Kerrigan. I forgot about Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Even then, though, Adrian Brody's the worst host that we've watched that that thought he was doing a good job. That, like... Like, I feel like even Nancy Kerrigan was like, I probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> Adrian Brody was like, no, I deserve to be here, and here's why. And then it's, uh, and then we got this. Yeah. 
right. So that is uh, that's Adrian Brody's SNL. So uh, we've. We've already, I guess, decided what we're going to do. And take this with a grain of salt, because we are the podcast that always promises to do things and then never follows through with them. You say promise. I say we get sick of what we're doing, pledge to do to be better and do something else, and then end up not doing that thing. Yes. No, that's so what next week, another, to- another talking dog movie where Fred Stewart has to find him. <laughs> yeah, no. We always commit to things that we just don't feel like following through with once we get halfway through. And you know what? That's okay. I used to think, like, if you can't finish something, like, it's a failure. But why would you do something if you didn't enjoy doing it? Well, also, it's like, I think of other podcasts I listen to, most of them never even preview, like, the next thing they're going to do. And even if they do, if they didn't do that, like, they did something else, I wouldn't be like, fuck them. Right. (laughs) It would be fine. So it's fine. All right. So explain what... At least next week, we will at least commit to next week's episode being this. Whether it's the next seven episodes, who knows? But maybe. We'll see where, we'll see where it goes. Well, because, yeah, it might be a seven-episode series. Because I we, we were talking last week about George's existential crisis about ever doing the podcast again. And we suggested a lot of things. How, some of you suggested on air. We talked further afterwards. And we ultimately decided we're just going to kind of keep going and see what happens. But one of the things I suggested off-air was to take a bit of a break from SNL for seven weeks. And you suggested it does have an SNL connection, so it still Mm -hmm. works. It's a Jim Belushi uh, project, (laughs) (laughs) technically. Uh, But I haven't seen the new Twin Peaks show, Twin Peaks The Return, I believe it's called. And it's, uh, yeah, I believe it's 14 episodes. We're going to basically watch it. You've already seen it, but you want to rewatch it. I want to watch it for the first time. Obviously, I've seen that we're both big fans of the original show. Um, so we're going to do that for the next seven episodes. We're going to watch two episodes at a time. Uh, and we're going to do like a recap of, of Twin Peaks, the return. Yep. That works for me. Um, yeah, no, I've been wanting to rewatch it cause, uh, yeah, I watched it when it came out and I watched it week to week. Um, so I didn't, I didn't binge it or anything. I, I wanted to watch it like as David Lynch wanted me to watch it. And, uh, man, that thing is a slow moving, uh, sucker at, at some point. So I think I might enjoy it more on a binge. Because, yeah, I watched the first episode and I, I immediately went like, I think I'm going to need to binge this. I can't watch this week to week because just of the, how it was presenting itself. Yeah. And But then I just never got around to doing the binge. So, you know, I feel like we can do that now and do it for the podcast. Yeah. Well, also, it's like you got to be in the right mood, you know, because <laughs> there, there would be some episodes where it's like, oh, it's Sunday night. I got a new Twin Peaks. But whew, do I want to? I don't want to fucking watch Twin Peaks right now. Like, I got to, like, sit down, turn the lights off and, like, fucking check out this fucking weird-ass mind trip. Is anybody from SNL in Fire Walk with me? Because I'd be kind of curious to rewatch that as well. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> At first I was like, David Bowie's in Fire Walk with me. But he that classic cast SNL cast member, David Bowie? Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton? Uh, was he on uh, SNL? He hosted SNL. Uh, Chris Isaacs. I think Chris Isaac was an, was an SNL cast member. What was he? Harry Dean Stanton, that would be a good episode to watch. Uh, if we, if when we, when we dive back into uh, season eleven, the Robert Downey Jr. year, Harry Dean Stanton hosts uh, "Drunk Off His Ass" with musical guests the Replacements, who are also drunk off their ass. Yeah, but I'm guessing they at least played two songs. <laughs> they did play two songs. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were. <laughs> The replacements were banned for being drunk. I don't think they banned Harry Dean Stanton, but he never hosted again. But 
I think that they all knew that was a one-time thing. All right. Well, I think that's that's it for the episode, isn't it? Is that all our business on the shed? That's it. All right. So, yeah, Twin Peaks The Return, at least episodes one and two next week. Until we see you again. Get off, Get the, off the shed. shed. I want to give a special thanks to my man, Sean Paul. Check out my new film, <laughs> June 6th. It's called Love the Hard Way. God bless. I love you.